You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN. Almost game time for the New York football giants. Less than a week from today. Uh, week one against Denver at MetLife Stadium. And our ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Renan joining us to uh, get us set for week number one. Jordan, first off, uh, how is your preseason? How's everything going? Oh, good, man. We're, you know, we're, we're grinding through. It's, uh, it's game week already. That's what it is right now. I mean, we're, we're three days from the real NFL season starting, which is nice. But it also means that summer's over, which sucks. But, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of like the last hurrah for summer. Like today, it, it, it's gone, right? That's it. It's over. That's it. No, it is gone. And uh, fortunately, we got some good weather for the last uh, day of summer, unofficial day of summer. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Giants. And let, let's start with Saquon Barkley because, you know, some, some mystery surrounding him, um, you know, throughout training camp as far as his status goes. What is your sense in terms of how likely will we be to see him on the field on Sunday? Yeah, I just put something out, like, you know, a minute ago. Basically, with the updating what I know right now, it's that, all right, so last week he goes and he faces his first practice with contact, right? No issues heading into today. Uh, one more padded practice on Wednesday. All goes well there. I think you should see Saquon Barkley on the field week one. Now, what does that mean? I mean, we're not going to see Saquon Barkley out on the field as if it was you know, week one last season, where I think he played like 92% of the snaps, I think the number was. Like, that's not realistic. So for fantasy owners, and I know a lot of people care about that, that's a big part of this, right? Yeah, or even Giants fans, because it's it's going to partially uh, affect the game. You're not going to see Saquon get 25 touches, 20-plus touches. I think the realistic thing is you'll see him play uh, – but really split time maybe with Devontae Booker. You'll see him maybe get like 10 to 15 touches. Whereas, you know, in a normal game, Saquon Barkley would get around 20 touches. So, you know, and, and 50 snaps. He might get like 20 or 30 snaps and 10 to 15 touches, I think. So that's kind of where this seems to be heading for the Giants and Saquon Barkley, which is pretty good because they're taking a long-range view on this. And this is uh, all positive steps in the right direction. I agree. I mean, I think considering Jordan, he tore his ACL less than a year ago. The fact that you could see him back on the field this Sunday in that capacity that you described, I don't know a Giant fan that wouldn't sign up for that. Yeah, I mean, it is 11 months. I think when he heard it in week two last year, you almost you expected him to be back. But the way the Giants have decided to play this, and it's been legit, they would have been fine taking it. Like, if there was any sort of I don't want to say setback, but let's say he practiced one day and, you know, his leg was sore afterwards, you know, just which probably happens a lot with guys when they suffer these serious injuries and they're trying to come back, right? If he had days like that throughout the summer, the Giants would have kept pushing it back and pushing it back and would have had no problem pushing it back until week two, three, or four, whatever, whatever it may be. Because they are, I mean, they've been very, very open about this, that they want to take a long-range approach with Saquon because he, they're not looking at him just to play the first few games of this year. They're looking at him of being a major factor through this whole season. Remember, it's 17 games now and into their future. Like they want him around. He is a big playmaker and a big piece of this offense. They want him to be a big piece of this offense for years to come. 
Jordan Renan, ESPN's Giants reporter, joining me. Uh, you guys on ESPN.com, Jordan, recently did the, the ceiling and the floor for all 32 NFL teams. Uh, in your write-up on the Giants, you had the ceiling at 10-7. and 7. What is the best-case scenario for the Giants for them to go 10-7 and 7 in your mind? Well, they're going to need all these weapons to help mask some of their deficiencies on that offensive line. Uh, they're going to need those playmakers to take pressure, some of the pressure off Daniel Jones, right? Let's just think about it. And I've been saying this the whole time. If you get Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay on the field, healthy, at their best, think about how much better that would make any offense in the NFL. Think about how much better that would make any quarterback in the NFL. If you have those two guys playing next to you. That's what Daniel Jones is hoping to add. Then let's forget about Kadarius Tony for a second, Kyle Rudolph, you know, John Ross was on IR, but, uh, you know, let's forget all those. Just those two guys alone. So they need those two guys to be 100% healthy, healthy. And then the offensive line, they quite frankly needed to be not good because I, you know, not a top offensive line because I don't know if that's realistic. They have question marks pretty much up and down that line right now. If, if that line could just be average and all these weapons can stay healthy, and Daniel Jones is what they think he is, and the defense, you know, plays to the level they did last year, and they get some something from their edge rushers. Yeah, then this could be a ten-win team. But of course, I gave you a lot of ifs there, Pat. That's a lot of ifs to, to pan out. <laughs> You know, the, the, and the offensive line and Daniel Jones, Jordan, are, they're tied together, obviously. Um, you know, the, the one half of football we saw Daniel Jones play uh, last weekend against New England, it looked, it looked very similar to what we've seen the first two years. I mean, early in the game, it didn't look like he had a lot of time to throw, wasn't able to throw the ball downfield. You know, and then Jones has that one good drive that, of course, ends with that horrendous interception into the end zone. And then right before the half, Jones, you know, leaves you wanting a little bit more. He leaves you a little excited with that final drive and that beautiful touchdown pass you know where where are you right now on both Jones and the offensive line how confident are you that those performances can improve this year well let's start with the offensive line then we'll get to Jones for a second I don't know how you could sit there and watch the preseason and not be concerned with their offensive line I mean the the questions that surround them are justified I mean like I said you can sit there and pick apart pretty much every position. And maybe you can say Nick Gates is fine, right, at center. But they have questions with the other four spots on their offensive line. That's not good when you have four of the five spots being somewhat question marks. And one of those being the number four overall pick last year, Andrew Thomas, who gave up the most pressures in the NFL last year, but then came back, and now you saw what you saw from him in the last preseason game. So – Deservedly so, that line leaves you concerned. Now, you're hoping they could, like I just said, you don't need them to be great. You just need them to be average. Now, they can't afford Andrew Thomas not to be a good player or at least a quality starter. If that's not the case, this line is in, it's screwed. They're in big trouble. Uh, and Daniel Jones is in big trouble, too. To me, with Daniel Jones, you almost want him, and I think this is the, the thought process, and the Giants think this way, they want him to have to do less. Like, the last two years, they feel like he was forced to try and do too much with the offensive line being what it is, with the weapons that surround him. So, by adding pieces around him, you're asking him then to do less, which will have sort of the trickle-down effect, I think, 
and you'll have him, they're hoping, make less mistakes, those foolish mistakes. Now, I don't know. I talked with Dan Orlovsky recently, and I trust him on quarterbacks, and I feel this way too. The silly, foolish plays when the, when, he, when the panic sets in, I don't know if that's ever really going to fully disappear, right? Maybe it can get better a little bit, but that's always going to be part of his game. To me, if we want Daniel Jones to be the you know a high-end quarterback in the NFL, it involves, especially with the offensive line he has, he's going to have to make more plays with his legs. And by that, I don't mean when people get caught up in, oh, he needs to run the ball. No, he doesn't need to run the ball. Quarterbacks don't need to run the ball. He needs to move to throw better. That's where you see the top quarterbacks nowadays. That's the way the game is played. Every quarterback is under, and Patrick Mahomes is running around all the time making plays outside the pocket. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. I mean, you name the top quarterbacks, they're all making these plays outside the pocket. Daniel Jones, I think if I'm going off the top of my head here, the only players who made, who had less passing yards outside the pocket last year were like Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and curiously, Cam Newton. Those, those were like the quarterbacks that made two for less yards outside the pocket. I think if he needs to, wants to step his game up to the next level, we need to see more of that this year. That's crazy because he can run. I mean, we know that he can run. That's, that's a strength of his. Um, Jordan Renan, ESPN. He's too athletic. He's too athletic not to be he is. not to be able to do that and to not be good at that. Like, that should be a strength of his game, especially when your offensive line is as bad as the Giants have been and might, might again be this year. Let me flip it over the other side of the ball. I mean, the defense, I thought, played really well last year. They kept the Giants in a lot of games. You know, Patrick Graham was a star. I, I don't know if, if they do it again. It's, it's probably likely he's a head coach somewhere else next year, so they kind of need to capitalize on having him around this year. Um, how good can this defense be? Uh, I struggle with this because I look. I am just like you, as impressed as you can be with Patrick Graham and what he did last year. And so I don't want to say they can't be a, a dominant top five level defense because I mean I didn't expect them to be a top ten defense last year and they were. But the one thing that really just holds me back from seeing this defense get to that level, it's really hard to get to that level without a really good edge rusher or some, you know, or with a better, with some edge rushers that at least strike fear into the opposition. And the Giants last year had nothing from the edge spot. So they have Lorenzo Carter coming back. They have O'Shane Zimenez coming back. They drafted Aziz Ojolari. Uh, if one of these guys can step up, I can see them taking that next step. But regardless, I think it's a good unit. Like, they might have maxed out last year, and they might end up being around the same defense this year. But, you know, that might even be better than last year because I, I just don't know how much further they can take it. Last year they might have overachieved to, to, to a sense. Like that, that's kind of what I'm saying. And if they do it this year, the same thing, I think you should be pretty happy with the unit. I mean, the back end of the secondary, if they're healthy, is pretty darn good. So that, that to me, is one of the strengths of this team – they're going to show a lot of different looks to other teams. A lot of three safety looks. They got they got three quality safeties. Um, a lot of versatility on that back end. This could be a really good defense. I'm just I'm trying to find a path to them being a great defense. And unless one of those edge guys that I mentioned before 
really steps up, and it's asking for a lot if it's Aziz Ojolari to do as a rookie. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with them being around the same defense that they were last year, which there's nothing wrong with that. They were good. No, they were really good last year. Uh, Jordan, great job. It's fun having you back on talking uh, during a game week, and we look forward to your coverage all season long. Thanks, as always. I appreciate it. Hey, Pat, do me a favor, okay? Yeah. Figure out for me how analytics spits out a lineup every day for the Yankees and spits out Joey Gallo at this point that second every day. <laughs> batting average it. down to down to 135. I know batting average doesn't count, but it should count a little when it's 134 as a Yankee. Well, what about when his on base is below 300? How does all these <laughs> analytics keep spitting that out? I, don't, I really just don't understand. I know he's got a lot of walks as a Yankee, but it brought his on base percentage all the way up to 299. I don't know, Jordan. I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. <laughs> thanks, Pat. You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.